Wow, let's charge back in. <clears throat> Last week, uh, we started our series on I Love My Church, and uh, we were talking about the, uh, the we and the us and, and, and that uh, capacity and that component of, of what makes church work. And as I break into session two, I want to kind of just tell you that uh, cooperating together is not popular in American culture right now. It's popular to divide over anything. It divide over race, divide over economic status, divide over your party you primarily vote with, divide over this, divide over that. And it's exactly what Satan has dreamed of. You take people who really do need one another and you get them divided and so uh, the strength and vigor is gone. And so um, as we look at I Love My Church, the church is all over the world, but it has a local expression which we call the local church. When I say I love my church, I'm speaking actually of, of the universal church and the local. And just as I love marriages, I really should only be involved with one, my own. So if I love marriage, I'm going to try to model with my lovey, uh, I want to model what it is to be a good husband, a good dad, and then help others coach to say, let's do the same. But if I act like, well, you know, I'm just too much of a guy to be, uh, you know, consigned to one woman. I, and, and in some cultures, uh, it's common to have your stated wife and then hidden families. And especially like in Mexico and other of the Latin American countries, they have sometimes two families. Sometimes they've discovered the other family and found out that the guy named his kids the same in both families. Okay, we don't endorse that. And we also don't endorse that spiritually. It's important to get placed with an understanding that we need one another. How can the eye say to the ear, I have no need of you? How can the arm say to the leg, I have no need of you? And yet it's very popular, even among Christians, is that my walk with God is personal. No, it's not. And yes, it is. You personally have a responsibility to go to God and get instructions. And what does he tell you? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Oh, that's good. I love God. I, people suck, though. And even other Christians suck. How many of you know that, you know, let's just get real, you suck. Oh, let's stay real. I suck. Can we all say that together? We suck. And so church should just be none of us contacting each other, just contacting God. And you know what he does? He sucks because he says, get back with your family. And that's what he says. When Jesus was asked, what are the great commandments? He said, you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, doggone it. I, I just like that song, me and Jesus, we got our own thing going, me and Jesus. Well, if it's just you and Jesus, guess what? He's not even there because he's in the midst of the brethren. We know the Lord in private prayer, but also in public. We know him 
as he deals with this on a personal basis, but then we need a place to work out all of these things. And so we have been taking from this series, I Love My Church, uh, how people who love their church really acted. How much did the early church love church? They loved it so much that they met daily in the temple and house to house. They stayed together. They studied together. They cared for each other together. They raised their babies together. Okay? Natalie uh, tapped me and said, don't be as negative as you were first service. But I I want to address something with a sweeter attitude. (laughs) I'm just a curmudgeon holding on, you know, until I can hand the baton. Because how many of you know, you get, you get certain age and you're just nasty, especially if you go to Sizzler. <laughs> the steak was overcooked, you know, and I'm there, I'm on the edge. And so I was talking about people, I hear people all the time, what's it going to take to stop these mass shootings? And the answer is they, the government, will never do it. If the government takes away all the guns, we'll be just like England and we'll stab each other. Because hate finds a way. And it's at the sickness of many isolated people who alone in front of their screen are feeding on on murder-suicide packs. They're all over the internet. Groups that you can go to that tell you who they hate. And it could be white people, it could be Jewish people, it could be black people, it could be Hispanic people. There's plenty of hate and people who are isolated all by themselves and there's been no daddy, no mama, no house of God to help them to think straight, then all of a sudden they come blowing out with their weapon. Whether it's running into a crowd like they do in Europe or they did here in America with a car or with a gun or with a bomb. Let me just say this, the key to this nation is what you and I do with his church. I wanted you to invoice someone else. You always make us pay. Right, you're the family. You and I have got to model society to people. You and I have got to demonstrate to people that we don't just live for ourselves. We don't use God to get a big chunk of cash and run off and then get selfish. How many of you know that if you are blessed and mega blessed, you should be a blessing to others? A little over a week ago, Natalie and Kim and Johnny and I were in Birmingham learning more about this whole process that we're all involved in in growth track and stuff. And so there was probably six to 8,000 people at the conference in three campuses. We were at the main campus. And so Natalie and I were going to do a workshop together. And so uh, they had given us box lunch. And so we were eating our box lunch. And I noticed this really nice looking older guy. And he's got these pads. And he was going through the sanctuary. And he was taking and mopping up coffee or water uh, and stuff. And it dawned on me to, to talk to him. So, I mean, he's a sophisticated-looking guy, and, you know, you can spot a leader no matter where they're at. And I go, sir, sir. And he goes, what? <laughs> or, or what? He smiled. He walked over, and I go like this. So he, he grabs his little pad, and, and uh, he walks over. 
And I said, something tells me this wasn't your career. He, 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 he smiled at me shyly. He said, you're right. I was an executive with Sears Corporation. Oh, I said, Chicago? I thought maybe he'd retired from uh, Sears in Chicago with the headquarters. And, uh, and so I didn't really uh, find out where he ended his career. But he started taking interest in Natalie and I. And he goes, where are you guys from? We said, well, we're from Oregon. And, and he goes, yeah, he said, I managed the store in Medford for years. <laughs> now, this is, I have a weird word of knowledge kind of stuff. It just, I mean, here's probably, there were 400 people serving at these conferences. 400 dream teamers, and I picked the one from Medford. <laughs> sir, sir. It's like, maybe it was the North Medford hat and the South Medford sweatshirt. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, I, and, and, and. The point I'm trying to make is that, that the great churches have doctors and lawyers and school teachers and mill workers. Everybody gets off their high horse and serves. We had great fellowship because I was attracted to somebody that I knew didn't have his career as a janitor. And he, he laughed because he knew that he probably wasn't the best stain remover, but he was willing. What would happen if everybody actually fell in love with Jesus and really were all in? Rather than God's lucky Ivan go to church. If God's good to me, I'll even play the banjo. And I love banjo. Years ago, we used to say, you know, God wants to use your talent. You need to come to Jesus because God wants to use your talent. Trust me, God can create talent. He could have trees that could play the banjo. He can have anything. What he's looking for is our heart. This morning, we're going to talk about what it means to, de to be devoted. And we're going to talk about prayer and the word. And we're going to actually throw in a little bit on worship. Because in Acts chapter 2, I'm going to read it. I'm, I'm mixing up slides right now. Please adjust, people. Um, it says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Okay. These guys were doing some things because, you know, they'd get a phone call if they didn't show up. and There weren't phones. They showed up because it was in them. They were devoted. The word devoted is 
to focus on something almost exclusively, to give your time, energy, and attention to something. Now, I remember when I went to the Bay Area after being dumped in Portland, summarily dumped and shamed, driven from the city, and I went to the Bay Area of California, and God had told me to go there, and I meet Miss Kim Kofaro, who is now Mrs. Steve Schmelzer, Kim Schmelzer, her. She's the one. Shall we say, I was attracted to her. And I had come from 600 miles and uh, from, from Portland to Oakland, living in Hayward with my uncle. And uh, so uh, during one month, one month span, I did three round trips between Portland to Oakland, back to Portland, back to Oakland, back to Portland, back to Oakland. I remember one time I was thinking about Kim. So I was leaving Portland and all of a sudden I noticed the Medford sign. I go, wow, Medford, you know, home. And then I started thinking about her again and I noticed Mount Shasta or Lake Shasta. And then of course I'd hit winter's cutoff 505 to 80 to, to 680 to San Ramon to, uh, what is it, uh, Crow Canyon Road down into Castro Valley and, and, and Hayward, where I could be with the girl I loved. Well, that's a great story. Uh, what's greater is that after I married her, it's not like I won't walk across the street for her. I, have you ever seen people that are really good in the romance and the courting, but they're not good in the staying and keeping? The key to being a, a devoted husband is have the same passion. Yeah. Now we would do three times with Kim directing me. How I'm too close to the logging truck. <laughs> She's my necessary adjustment gifting. Devoted to her. Devoted. There are certain people that have that temperament, that all-in temperament. Uh, one of the things that I believe is really hard is dealing with people that are ADD. Just, hey, I love Jesus, I love Jesus. Oh, I can, I can, I can get high? No, no, I really love Jesus. Well, <laughs> how many of you know that, that the Bible talks about the good seed? And the good seed is those who have depth in themselves. They're the joiners. If you're not a joiner type, you need to fast and pray and beg God to deliver you from being ADD and bouncing around. Those who join get the benefit. Those who are devoted get the benefit. I remember some of the things that just hooked me. Fourth grade, I walked down the, the, the block from... Uh, where we lived in Ashland, and I see the, the other boys that are older than me playing softball. And I immediately said in my heart, I'm that. Same thing when I knew I was going to be called to preach. Didn't have a pulp, but didn't have a promise. But I go, I'm a preacher. Sometimes God will give us a vision, we have to hold on to it. And what happened was, 
My dad bought me a 25 cent, out of yard sale, 25 cent little vinyl glove. And, and uh, the neighbor's dog ate it. And so they gave me enough money for a $25 leather glove, which I used right up through college. But I became what I visualized. I devoted myself. I love baseball. Get your tail down. Get ready to field the ball. Make that good throw. Take your at-bats. <laughs> and if that curve's coming too close to you, take it. Get the bruise and get on base. Hello. And so I still love baseball. Chess, another thing. I, I, I played chess. I didn't know Ashland High School had a chess team. So in, after my 11th year, I'm looking at the, at the yearbook, and I see there's a picture of the guys from the chess team. And so I joined as a senior. And uh, so I was so devoted to it, I rose to be the top board in Ashland. And, and, and then we, as a team, were really strong. I ended up being the Southern Oregon uh, number one rep from Southern Oregon to go to the state championship in chess. Devoted. Same thing with God. Fell in love with Jesus. I was so hungry for the word, I, wouldn't, I would take my Bible and slip it under my pillow at night. And I would tell God. You know, at Ashland High School, oftentimes I'd fast during the day and I would, I would speak to myself, I'm hungrier for the things of God than I am for food. I'm hungrier for the things of God than I am for food. That happened right when I started to get my adult growth spurt. So you're really hungry when you're starting to really sprout. But I was hungrier for God. Wow. What, what will happen as you and I devote ourselves to God? Why, were, why was the early church so devoted like that? <laughs> well, because they had seen the example of Jesus. Jesus lived devoted. Aren't you glad that Jesus wasn't a weekend warrior? Hey, you know, I don't, you know, lepers, I don't do lepers. Problem with lepers are kind of like, really like yucky. How many know Jesus not only ministered to lepers, he hugged them. He embraced them. People caught in deep sin. The people that other people said were totally nauseating, Jesus ran to them. He lived devoted. To two basic things, he lived devoted to God and he lived devoted to people. My friends, this is where we're going to head if we really become serious followers of Jesus. There's a lot of things that you probably need to just drop along the wayside. They might happen, they may not. You may not get the yacht and travel. That's one of my... Uh, you know, dreams is crossing the Pacific in, in a sailboat. My wife said, I'm on my own. And, uh, but all things considered, I think I'd rather go help a new church startup than sail. I, I think I would rather take the time to help a kid stay out of the gangs and be like an extended daddy. So that kid doesn't have to have a broken heart and decide, I'm so angry with everybody. 
that my final act is to get my name in lights for killing a bunch of people. You fill in the blank. Fresno, Pasadena, Medford, Umpqua Community College. The answer is devout people saving the world like the master did. Devout people saying, I, I, I could, I've got the money to, not going to. Jesus demonstrated in his everyday lifestyle his devotion. Here, he had a focus of his time, energy, and affections. In his life, he healed, he saved, loved, trained, and he modeled what a man or, or person of God should be. He modeled it. Selfless. You know, I think that we are mass-producing narcissists in America. What about me? How's my hair and my nails? I wonder if someone unfollowed me on Facebook. I think we need to really ask if God's unfollowing us. That is such a better pursuit than the narcissism of just seeking the culture, which if the culture was that great, we should not have shootings. We should not have. I'm telling you, you'll never know how many kids actually commit suicide monthly in Medford. They won't put it. It's, it's, it's squelched. The suicide among youth. Why? Because, because we're, we're feeding on things that leave your mouth full of sand and dry. Jesus said, come to me and get the living water and you'll never thirst again. And we're handing people cups of sand and say, if you're really good at this, it'll make you happy. And it doesn't make people happy. And Jesus modeled what it meant to be that follower of God. In his death, he was betrayed, beaten, tortured, despised, and killed because he was devoted to reconciling sinners to their God. Aren't you glad that Jesus, who had to make the, de the decision as man. We know that Jesus is fully God and fully man. God the Father did not have to tell the other part of the, the deity, the Trinity, to go through the cross. In other words, God was not double. But there was a human who questioned. Jesus, the man, the God-man, had to agree and so as he prayed, and the angels were strengthening him, and he was sweating, as it were, great drops of blood, three times he said, this is too much. Nevertheless, I'll drink this cup. He had to drink the cup of death. He had to drink the cup of sin. He had to take the world's sins, including you and I, for us to be saved. When I read the Bible, there's a couple places I wish I could be. I wish I could have ran up on the roof and kicked David in the butt and told, quit looking at Bathsheba or Shower Sheba for that matter. It breaks my heart every time I read about David falling. It was so beneath him. And when I think of Jesus, not at the cross, but at Gethsemane, 
How I wish I could have grabbed that Jewish man and hugged him and maybe been there. Unlike the disciples who were depressed and they were in a deep sleep, but all alone, Jesus had to determine, yes, aren't you glad he was devoted to the, this purpose of laying his life down for you and I and for his father. And so on the cross, it happened. He drank the cup and he cried out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then without any return of the Holy Spirit or his own divine nature, he goes, it's finished. The greatest gamble that he would lay down his own life and he was resurrected as a proof of that righteousness. Would you say our master was devoted? In his mission, he prayed, he trained, he planned and equipped his followers to build his kingdom, to seek and save the lost. When you are born of God, you are called to go into the family business. In Birmingham, they've got what they call dream centers in all various campuses and it, doctors stepped up and said, we, we feel we wanna care for people and provide a clinic. And they said, well, we're not doing that. You guys have to do it. And they formed a, a medical connect group. And from there, they just start spreading to different campuses and now they actually have a full-time uh, full employee at the church. How many of you know that no matter what your, what your vocational occupation is, even if it's a very busy occupation, you can still lay your life down for Jesus. You can still use whatever God has given you to do as a means of sharing the love of God with other people. We're gonna look down to slide six. Jesus asked his disciples to follow him. And that's what he asked any disciple. If anyone would be my disciple, let him take up his cross and follow me. Will you follow me? I'll talk about it. I won't do it, but we'll talk about it. I want to tell you something. We need to heed the warning. We never know when our last breath's going to be. And what we talked about wanting to do doesn't count. It's what we did. They, he said to them, follow me, and they did. Question, will we? Will we follow Jesus? Will we be devoted to the things he's de to, they were devoted to? Will we be devoted to the word of God, to prayer, to worship, breaking of bread together? Will we be a society that can actually prevent the, the, the public school is not enough of a society. Television doesn't produce community. TV, we can all know what happens on TV, but that doesn't mean we're bound together by it. Same thing with social media. Social media doesn't provide community. Being with live humans does. And we're called to be with God and with each other to be a part of his community. Now, Dr. Gail Brenner said this about devotion. I love devotion. 
When you are devoted to something, your life is transformed. You begin orienting your activities toward what you really want. Doubt and confusion diminish as you always have a benchmark to return to. People and circumstances that do that no longer fit fall away. Devotion is not for sissies. Thank you, Sister Gail, for writing this. It takes a surrender of your personal wants and desires into something that holds greater meaning for you. It oozes passion and longing. You might even say that you form a love affair with whatever you are devoted to. You show commitment, dedication, loyalty, reverence, and sincerity. Wow. We all know those Christians that they, they walk the walk, they talk the talk. Many, many times they weren't the loud people. Some of the greatest heroes of my life, one, one, one guy in his 90s now, Herb Taylor. Herb, since I knew him as a, as a, as a uh, pre-adolescent, Herb has always loved God. He was a tree faller. He was this, he was that. But Herb always loved God. He's a part of, of Lyle King's church just up the road. Herb, and he's still loving God. To me, if I can hear when he passes, he might outlive me, that's the, the problem. I want to be there and I'll cry like a baby. Because you don't, you, don't, you don't manufacture Herb Taylor's very easy. See, a guy like Herb decided, I'm a God man. I'm a Jesus people. He refuses to get offended. He refuses to quit. He refuses to quit praising. He refuses to, to, to quit praying. He just keeps bearing fruit. And for a, meal, a guy like me, I'm going, man, I can set my watch according to him. He's a lover of God. Steady. What does it take to look like a devoted uh, follower like the early church? Well, we need to give energy to the disciplines of a disciple daily, which include prayer, the word, and worship. The daily thing is very important. In Proverbs chapter 8, verses 34 and following, it says, Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily. Well, you know, right now, you know, I think it's okay if I kind of like show up to church once every six weeks. Is that also your de devotion? I, I, I personally think, like Rick Green and so many people and, and my kids, it's like church is, church is there. If you're, if you're spitting blood or something, you, you don't come. But just a slight scratchy throat, you don't stay home. Because this is where God's people are. Jesus is in the midst of the brethren. Jesus is probably not wanting to sit next to me on the couch and watch Dukes of Hazard reruns. Or Baywatch, the movie, you know. Jesus probably in the midst of people that are worshiping. When we're on, on, on vacation, you know, if we're right in, 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 in Honolulu, I want to go to Art Sepulveda's church on Queen Street in Honolulu. When, when, when we were able to get Wi-Fi with the Odoms, we watched your service up here. Well, you're in Hawaii. Why would you do that? Because Hawaii comes and Hawaii goes. But God is the one that pulled me out of the sewer. He's the one that I fear. And daily, 
daily we go after him. If you're on a Schmelzer family vacation, you don't backslide on vacation. We're all up doing our devotions every day. And with less people stress, we're actually in a better mood. Daily is the one who walks at, who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who sins against me wrongs his own soul. All those who hate me love death. Now, in, in, in our church, we've got people that are brand new Christians and people that have been uh, saved a long time. Please pardon me, because a lot of times I'm talking to people that have been saved a long time when I want you to know if these haven't been skills, welcome in, the water's fine. Later on, I'll nag you if you start to slip, okay? So if you feel like I'm a little naggy, it's because I do find that sometimes Christians get lazy, and they don't watch these things, these fundamentals. These keep you strong, watching daily at the gate of the Lord, seeking. Uh, in Luke 9, 23, then he said to, to, to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. The first skill or the first discipline that I want to bring up is prayer. Uh, in, in the book of... Uh, Acts, when you see the early church, they were constantly praying. They were praying for guidance. In, in, in chapter 13, we see that, that Paul and, and uh, Barnabas were leading a congregation in Antioch, and they were praying and seeking God, and the Holy Spirit said, separate Saul and Barnabas for the ministry that I've called them to, and they were sent out. And they prayed all the time. Paul would go to a, a city, look for people who were praying. Let me just say this. If you want to really get into God, you'll probably need to connect with praying people. Yeah. Okay? Not just people who can, who can paste nice Christian cliches on their Facebook account. People who maybe don't even have the time for a lot of Facebook stuff because they're praying. But, but God really, you know, gathers around praying people. And uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, Paul wrote this, never stop praying or pray without ceasing is another way to say it. In Colossians chapter 4 verse 2, it says, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Prayer is speaking to God. Last service, I sang the song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful? Who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do your friends despise, forsake you? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield you. You will find a solace there. This song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, was written by an Irishman that had to leave his mom, as so often was the Irish story, that, that the, the, the poverty in Ireland and, and, and the oppression that they lived under, that many people left and came to North America or Australia. And it was a sad time. 
And Charles, I believe his name was Charles Scrivener, he wrote this as a song to comfort his mom. What a friend we have in Jesus. I want to tell you something. I found that Jesus has met me at prayer. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Wow. Prayer is your umbilical cord to the Father. David understood prayer. His guys were looking to stone him, and it, the Bible said he encouraged himself in the Lord. When it gets really crazy in my life, I've learned one thing. Take the wheel, Jesus, is more than just a song that Carrie Underwood. Jesus, take the wheel. What's going on in my life is too heavy. Don't understand it all, but Lord, you do. Wow. How many of you can feel that in your own life? Sometimes you just have to lift up your hands. I don't care if you're a brand new Christian. You're instantly invited to have a, a life of prayer. You don't have to like go six months and then now I'm qualified to get my prayer badge. No. The Word. The early believers were encouraged to personal and corporate devotion to God's Word. Paul challenged Timothy to not neglect the Word and doctrine he had been given. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord, Paul wrote to the Colossians in Colossians 3.16. I'm nervous about what I see as a trend in churches. We want Christian cliches, but we don't go back to the book. The Bible said faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. I've never been encouraged to someone that tells me, hey, it's always, you know, darkest before the dawn, and dude, it'll get better. Clichés don't move me. When someone can tell me this is what the Bible says, I have faith to change. I have faith to believe it. And the third one was worship. Do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, Ephesians 5, 17 through 20. There are other songs, some of the songs that I grew up singing from the Ozarks were a lot of mountain people that had, a, you know, hard scrabble farms and a lot of people buried people that were, were young. And songs like, just a simple little one that I sing, you know, Farther along we'll know all about it. I had to stop the music because I'm in between keys. Farther along we'll understand why. Cheer up, my brothers, live in God's sunshine. We'll understand it all by and by. Farther along we'll know all about it. 
Farther along we'll understand why. I turn southern when I sing these. Cheer up, my brothers. Live in God's sunshine. We'll understand it all by and by. You know, one of my best friends just said goodbye to the love of his life. And we've been staying really close. And sometimes, you know, when people live life in real time, a little cute cliche won't help them. Sometimes you've got to sing a song. You've got to have a song in your heart that says, I may not know everything that you go through, but one thing I know is that farther along, God will make sense of it, and that we can build ourselves up in the Word and fellowship and watch this. I'm going to stay with you. I'm not going to leave you out to dry. Well, dude, my friend's going through a trial, man. Trials really bum me out. Our God runs to the hurting one. He charges into the battle to heal the brokenhearted. You have to be a person of the Spirit or what you'll do is you'll have all the Christian cliches while you build your selfish little castle. How many of you say, I want to be like Jesus? I want to be there for hurting people. They say about Jesus that he would not break a bruised reed or quench a smoldering flax. I can see Jesus, flax is a wispy. There's a tiny little bit of fire left. A little flame and kindling on it. And all of a sudden, that flax represents us in a broken state. And so, we're flying like an eagle once again. We're restored. A bruised reed, you take and you put another little stick and wrap it. And in a season, it's fine. Let's all stand together. Three questions that we can apply to ourselves. Will I live a life of daily devotion and prayer? Pastor Steve, I really don't have to pray much because, you know, things are going good with my wife and I and the kids. If we only take care of our kids and our wife, we're not going to stem the free fall in our society. Some of us are going to have to love our own kids and somebody else's kids. And some of us are going to be able to disciple dozens and hundreds of people that become healers in our nation. I want to be on that crew. I want to be a discipler. I want to die. Maybe never getting to sail across the Pacific. But if I can look in the eyes of people, 
that have been turned from eternity in hell to heaven, I will die a happy man. And so would you. How many of you say amen? It takes a life of daily prayer. Secondly, will I live a life daily devoted to God's word? I'm not telling you to read the whole Bible tomorrow afternoon. I'm saying give some energy every day. I really like it when people will do a macro and they read the whole Bible in a year. Number three, will I live a life daily devoted to worshiping God? Find Christian songs that describe the mood you're in. Lord, you understand just where I am and what I really need. Danny Burr, a friend of ours, wrote that song in the middle of a great trial. Spirit of the living God, descend on me. You understand where I am and what I really need. Man, I sing that song every once in a while. Lord, you understand. There's a song for every time and everything, every emotion you can feel. You're betrayed. There's a song for it. And there's a promise of God. We're going to do our second declaration today. How many of you are saying, man, I'm going I'm to give some energy to those things. I'm going to give some energy to those things. Last week, we, we, we said this, because I love my church, I will commit to show up, step up, and speak well of my church community. Today, we're going to add to it, because I love my church, I will be a person of prayer, the word, and worship. How many say, I'll, I'll commit to that too. So let's say these things together. Because I love my church, I will commit to show up, step up, and speak well of my church community. I will be a person of prayer, the word, and worship. You could put the name Jesus. Because I love Jesus, I will commit to show up. We're not wanting at all to ever divorce the church from Jesus. We're his bride. So we always mean God when we say these two. Hallelujah. If we could all just bow our head and close our eyes. The Bible teaches us that there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I kind of ref reference the song, what a friend I, we have in Jesus. What a friend. What kind of a friend was Jesus? The kind that would die for you. The kind that right now ever lives to make intercession for his children. That's the nature of the friendship that, that we have with Jesus. The Bible tells us that he has paid for the sins of the world. But we must call on his name to be able to receive that in our account. The Bible said, if you will call on his name, you'll be saved. If you call on his name, you'll not be ashamed. If you call on his name, he will make you into a new person and he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Right now, I'd like everyone that came in this place with that sense of, I, I, need, I need something's wrong with me and I, I, need to, I need to know God. If you're, you're here and you say, Pastor, I, I want to give my life to Jesus. Just raise your hand so we can kind of, okay, I see a hand. I see another hand. I see a hand here.
Okay, come on, get your hands up, y'all. We're not going to embarrass you. Okay, okay. We're going to pray together. And I believe with all my heart that, that the Lord has never, ever failed that anybody who calls on him, he receives. He's so gracious. Pray this with me. Dear Father, I need you. I call on your name. You said if I would call on your name, I would be saved. I'm calling now. You also said that if I would call on your name, I would not be ashamed. You said if I would call on your name and that I'm in Christ, I'm a new person. I'm a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. Take away the oldness. Make me to that new person that looks like you. Thank you, Father, for forgiving my sins. I do ask you to forgive me of my sins. And I pray this. If you'll be my God, I'll be your servant. If you'll be my father, I'll be your child. I receive you this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah.